Welcome to Menu Feed, a bi-weekly podcast from Winsight Media's two food service brands, Restaurant Business and Food Service Director. I'm Pat Kobe, Senior Editor covering Menu Food and Drink for both brands. On this episode, I'm chatting with David Burke, the groundbreaking chef and restaurateur who paved the way for elevated American restaurant cuisine. In the last year alone, he opened three new restaurants, expanded internationally into Saudi Arabia, partnered with Kentucky ranchers to start a Wagyu beef operation, and received the 2021 Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award for New Jersey. Resting is not for me, says Burke, who contends that he still has some kick left now that he's in his 50s. Listen as this energize a bunny of a chef talks about the incredibly creative signatures he's created over the years, today's must-have menu items, how he's incorporating golf into his newest restaurant, and his plans for a fast casual in 2022. Welcome, David. Thanks for joining me today. Nice to be here. So let's start by telling me about the three restaurants you've opened in New Jersey in the last year and how you're positioning each one. Well, we've... uh... About a year ago, a little over a year ago, we opened a restaurant. We had we had it in, in, in the works already. It was brand new construction. We opened uh, Orchard Park by David Burke in the Park Chateau Hotel in East Brunswick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, it's kind of in a quiet area. So we were, we were uh, optimistic, but also concerned with where the, all the business was coming from. We there's a large catering hall next door called the uh, Chet, uh, the Park Chateau, and we do a lot of event. They, my partners do a lot of wedding events there, so we knew the hotel would benefit from that. Anyway, we opened there. Uh, we designed Lemay Escobar out of Montreal. Uh, Andres Escobar, he designed a beautiful American brasserie with a Himalayan salt private wall or wine room. Brand new open kitchen, beautiful bar in the lobby called C'est La Vie. And we, and it was a, a European looking American brasserie, sensible, design wise, one of the best restaurants in our portfolio. And we opened up in December and we, we haven't looked back and we've been doing good. Uh, we do have some small weddings and events there. The larger ones are across the street at the larger facility that we do not operate, but we're partners with the same uh, owners. So we were very happy and fortunate with Orchard Park by David Burke. Great, great feel and look, and our team did a great job. One year down. Um, a couple months after that, exactly three months later, we opened the former Fromage Ray, which I once owned and also worked there as a kid in high school. We bought the Fromage Ray, luckily, uh, bought it back after uh, six years of having sold it uh, later, and we renamed it, branded it Red Horse, a nod to the horse. You know, we had a seafood restaurant two miles away in the uh, and pasta Mediterranean restaurant, Drift House by David Burke, two miles away. So we rebranded from Ajure. Red Horse by David Burke. It's a country house. It's an old house in a beautiful town called Rumson. It's been a restaurant since the 50s and uh, a very famous location. So we we it was happy to get that back. I bought a painting of a beautiful red horse in New Hope, Pennsylvania, the day of the lockdown. Had it in my house, and then when this thing came by, we, I was, I said we should really name it. The painting was just very moving, and the, so we named it Red Horse to pay tribute to the horse, the horse, uh, uh, the horse country out here in Colts Neck and Rumson, Homedale, etc. Right, uh, and also the red to. Pay tribute to the some of the Asian food we do, like the uh, 
uh, the stir fried lobster. We did a little bit of, so we did a steakhouse with an Asian influence, sushi bar upstairs and all that. That's Red Horse. That's been open nine months, really doing well. One of the better restaurants in the state. Then uh, a few months later, we opened uh, in October, we opened a large production restaurant in a beautiful town of Morristown. Uh, right on the square there on the green. It's called 1776 by David Burke. And it is off to a, a, a real a real strong start. There's a large American cafe bar and grill, a you know, large bar. It's an American restaurant, um, not uh, similar to Orchard Park in menu, uh, but a little bit more rustic on some items. And uh, this one has a large outdoor seating facility. Uh, a big restaurant, and it also has adjacent to it through a salt, salt brick hallway and another bar you go into in a sporting area called the Top Golf Swing Suites, where you do events. You, you rent out a suite for up to 12 people for a couple hours at a time, and you can play indoor golf, not mini golf, like high end simulator sports. Or watch TV or listen to music or dance or whatever you wanted to. So there's two venues under one roof. There's the uh, 7076 by David Burke and the Top Golf Swing Suites. And that's been open 10 weeks. Not, yeah, not even 10 weeks. And we are, uh, we have our hands full. We've, uh, we're very proud of what we've been able to do. That was a really hard opening because of the size and the difference, uh, and also the fact that we opened in the fourth quarter. Oh, the other hard part of this whole um, trio of restaurants or trifecta was we uh, was doing it during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> staffing, staffing and persevering and overcoming things and not, not having to close and right. people getting sick and you know, they collecting the unemployment. We couldn't get workers. So we, we, you know, we forget pivoting. We're, we're at, we're, we're out of pivots. We're, we're, uh, we just, sheer uh, determination and desire that's what we do we get through it right did you have to change any of the concepts during the pandemic or was the vision the same all the way through no we didn't change any of the concepts we didn't change any you know we raised a little prices dropped a little prices mm -hmm. did some takeout here or there in those three restaurants we didn't pivot at all with regard to concept or design uh, and we didn't do takeout in any of those places we did take out prior to all that in our other restaurants in uh, Seabright and in uh, and when we we're at the uh, another property in New Jersey we did but it, it doesn't you know takeout for high-end food doesn't tra travel that well yeah, you know when you pay forty dollars for bronzino and it gets delivered to your house in a plastic tub <laughs> you know, really, it's not a $40 dish anymore, you know, and when you're talking high end, you're paying for the ambiance, the service, you know, so yeah, if we do have to resort back to takeout, if this thing doesn't get any better, we'll just do a, a more uh, finger food, menu, you know, something more home style, right? Still do steaks and burgers and maybe some pasta, but things that'll that'll, uh, that'll travel well, you know, yeah. So in the meantime, you're also doing some projects in Saudi Arabia. So tell me about what we opened two restaurants in this uh, this past year in Saudi Arabia. Mm 
I designed the menus. We helped with the concept. We have a partner over there. We sent a couple of our crew members, chefs and managers over there to help train uh, for seven months. I went over for three and a half weeks. My partner, Chef Carmine, went over there for a month. One of our other corporate chefs went for six months. We just hired another uh, chef who's familiar with the area, who's been living in Dubai. He's going to work, a Jersey guy. He's working with us here, and we're going to send him back. So we're excited about that. Um, international opportunity and uh and we think it's off to a good start you know and i'm, I'm gonna head back there in a month i might be joining a reality show in saudi arabia as a chef judge <laughs> yeah it's not that time consuming but i think it's great branding for us over there right so it's it sounds like you have a lot going on but i heard you're also reconcepting david burke tavern in new york city which was david burke tavern in new york we're gonna well listen we, you know with this new covid thing going on we're gonna be optimistic and go forth and open for restaurant week january 18th for a month uh-huh. restaurant week, uh, restaurant month and after that we're gonna try and reconcept we might change the name of david burke townhouse we will probably go to a more of a more of a fixed price menu upstairs value driven limited selections four courses three or four choices per per category and you know and have a one seating you know you mm-hmm. come in six and seven six and seven thirty and uh, we don't take reservations and we'll keep the bar open a la carte and happy hour and, you know, and we got to watch the labor. New York, the labor is so high. It, it's really hurting the restaurant. Forget the COVID. Before COVID, we were getting crippled by the minimum wage increase. Right. So people pivoted a little bit. We we lost a lot on the bottom line. So, But the benefit package the Blasio put and the minimum wage is really, you know, they got into the restaurant business as business. You know, they got into the economics of it. Now it means how much can you charge for a salad or a chicken? Really? You know what I mean? Right. Before it gets to be, you know what? I'll just stay home and get something delivered. Now you got 20% on top of that. Yeah. When you leave a tip, you know, when you're talking about eating out for dinner in New York City at a decent restaurant, it's going to cost you no matter what, 60 bucks a head. Easily. Even to have a salad and a chicken, it's going to end and a coffee a glass of wine, forget dessert, it's going to cost you 65, 70 right. bucks. Well, I live in New York City, so I'm totally aware of that. Right, right. Salad's 20 bucks. I mean, unless yeah. you go somewhere really where it's not, let's say it's an appetizer, it's 20 bucks, main course is 30, there's 50 bucks, the wine is 15, you're up to 65, coffee 70. Yeah, tax and tip, you're up to, yeah, you're, you're, you're 75, 80 bucks ahead. That's for chicken. Yeah. Well, I like the idea of happy hour because that's a really, um, you know. Happy hour, we can use byproduct and small plates and Mm -hmm. and some drinks. And you know what? And at least you get get a vibe. And then upstairs, we're going to try. You know, we'll see. Well, you know, we still want to serve our great steaks and all our other signature dishes. But we can weave all that into our menu. That menu would change every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we'd advertise. It'd be hyper seasonal. You know what I mean? Okay, this is the, the early February menu. Here's the late February menu. Here's the March. Then springtime, we have all the goodies coming on board and we can promote every two weeks online. Here's our new menus. And hopefully people come back and say, oh, shit, look at it. This looks good. You know? Yeah. So I think that's a way to do it. We don't need as many cooks. And we also, it's still a variety on the menu where people won't get menu fatigue because there'll always be, there'll be our standards and there'll be some new stuff. And the happy hour will be where you can get a steak and a burger, a steak free. So downstairs will be the tavern and upstairs will be the townhouse. Right. 
Well, it's really cool that you're still doing the salt walls and the salt aging in your rooms. So that was something that you kind of introduced many years ago and as one of the leaders. Oh, yeah. I see it everywhere now. People are yeah. using it as restaurants. I mean, it finally caught on. People, you know, it's an idea I had. They Also, my patent process gets stolen. I can't chase everybody. Right. But people are... Uh, you know, people are, and it's a great design element and it, it's conversational. It's Instagrammable. It's sexy. It's natural. It's organic. You know, it's got all those things. Right. And it's, unique, you know, it's, it's not sheetrock. It's not wallpaper. It's not paint. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's all um, organic. So that's really right. Cool. So yeah. what were, what were some of the other signatures that you created back then and that are still lasting today? Well, we, we, we have, uh, you know, our chocolate park bench, we have the chocolate Brooklyn Bridge, pastrami salmon we still serve. We're bringing back the swordfish chop. The cracking pork shank is on some of our menus. Uh, lobster dumplings, angry lobster. Uh, we do a great uh, duck, duck, duck is something we pioneered a long time ago. Uh, you know, our dry-aged steaks, of course. Uh, cheesecake lollipops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what's, what's in the duck, duck, duck? That sounds really intriguing. Duck, duck, duck is a, a crispy duck breast, a duck meatloaf with sweet potato puree and a foie gras dumpling. Uh, so we uh, we have a pork chop with clams casino, which is on some of the menus now. We do a bronzino with artichoke hummus. And, uh, you know, we do ginger cracked pepper salmon. That's kind of a, goes through its various garnish changes and seasonal. Um, you know, and we have a tin can chocolate cake that is our signature as well. You know, we have, we have a nice variety of classic signature dishes, more so than a lot of other people. You know, sometimes I think of chefs and I ask, well, what's he known for or she? And people are like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, well, what would I, what dish would I recognize? And, and I think it's some kind of a little bit sad that when someone doesn't have a signature dish or 10, you know what I mean? That have, that have really awesome. made John George and Danielle have them. Laverna mm -hmm. Daniel. Chef has them, Daniel Holm has them. So a lot of the great chefs have dishes that either one dish of the year or people that copied. You know, when people copy certain things, that's uh that's you know, that's that means you're your your signature at something, you know. You right. you design. I love the bacon clothesline. You're gonna keep Got that. that. <laughs> oh yeah, the bacon clothesline. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna keep the bacon clothesline. Ants on a log is another one, bone marrow with snails. You know, not every one of these dishes is a, as a popular favorite because of, you know, not everybody eats the gourmet items, right. you know, but, uh, you know, we, we, we have a nice selection to pull from, um, and, uh, you know, that's what we do, but we have to keep up with the trends and we change and we, we might change a garnish to be Moroccan or Indian or gluten-free or vegetarian because, uh, you know, we want to stay current. We right. resting. Resting is not for me right now. We like to stay, stay out. We have hipster fries. They're called hipster fries because my son at one point told me that our food wasn't hip enough. So I, I so the next day I put hipster fries in front of him. I said, know what they're called? Hipster fucking fries. <laughs> so what, what's in hipster fries? Yeah, all the stuff hipsters eat. Bacon, shishitos, uh, jalapenos, uh, Parmesan cheese, chilies. Uh, fresh herbs, uh, lemon zest, garlic, you know, blah, 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 all tossed together. So what, are some, 
what are some of the things that you have to have on a menu? I mean, aside from all these things, it's a great burger. Well, you, you need to have salad, appetite. Mm -hmm. You need to have salads. Uh, you need to have some kind of shellfish, you know, oyster, shrimp cocktail, whether it's shrimp cocktail or not, maybe a crudo, mm -hmm. right? Then you want, we do dumplings, lobster dumplings, crab cake, maybe, uh, maybe an octopus. But then you need, maybe it's a burrata, prosciutto, you know, then composed salads. Mm -hmm. maybe it's beef carpaccio or sashimi of beef. Uh, then you need vegetarian things beside you need a nice vegetable appetite, a ratatouille with goat cheese or something like that. Right. Um, and then, and then you go, and then if you have certain concepts, we do a pizza and pasta category. And then on the main courses, you know, you need chicken, you need red meat, you need a burger. Um, you need three fish dishes and a shellfish dish. You might need a pasta, but the pastas could be on a different category. You need a pork dish, a duck dish, or between pork, duck, and lamb, you need two of those. Mm. Veal doesn't really make the cut anymore. It doesn't sell. I mean, if you do a veal parm or veal uh, milanese, it'll sell, but eh, right. veal in general doesn't sell that well anymore. Interesting. Well, I think you gave away a lot of secrets. Oh, that, that put 10 <laughs> steaks on it will also. Short ribs is another one. We do bison, mm -hmm. bison ribs. And, uh, you know, when you try and sell rabbit, quail, and sweet breads, it doesn't move. Skate doesn't move, you know. Right. So you got to stay with cod, halibut, salmon, bronzino, red snapper, you know, uh, those types of fish. Grouper's pretty good these days, too. So you tell me about some of the food products that you're doing. I know that you're debuting a lot. Um, Kentucky Wagyu beef that's going to appear in us. Yeah, it's called F1 Kentucky Wagyu beef. We just partnered with a farm down there that only we slaughter for uh, 24 heads a month right now, which is nothing. You know, some of the big ranches, they slaughter 1,200 a day, you know. So this is real boutique. We're starting to feed them correctly, grass-fed, bluegrass, finished on corn, all natural. And it's a Wagyu, a Black Angus mix. And uh, well, it's the beginning of a new company. So we're going to buy our meat and start to sell it. We're going to age it. And we're going to uh, brand it F1 Wagyu by David Burke. And we're excited about that. Our partners are from the Thoroughbred Horse Business. They're mm -hmm. breeders. And uh, they're going to start breeding cattle. And they, they see a future in it. There's lots of money behind it. And the product is good. Is it, is it great, fantastic off the bat yet? We're, we're getting there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you got to raise some cattle. It's going to take us a couple of years to get, um, you know, the right, uh, the right um, herd. You know what I mean? Right. So that we, you know, you got to disseminate the cattle. We got to grow them. We got to keep working on stuff. But three to four years from now, we're going to have a, a premier product. We have a very good product now, an excellent product, but we want to be the best. Which of your restaurants are you going to target for this? Right now, the uh, restaurant that's using the F1 will be uh, Red Horse mm -hmm. Orchard Park in 1776. Okay. And so you have other um, products as well as cookware. So well, we, have, we sell cheesecake, cheesecake pops. Mm -hmm. I used to sell them. And uh, uh, we have steak sauce, potato chips. You know, they come and go. We do a run. We sell it out. We sell the steak knives, pots and pans. Mm -hmm. uh, kitchen mats. I'm working on a clothing line called uh, Culinary Religion, with which will have little phrases on the aprons and the chef coats and this and the towels and the oven mitts. You know, cool. 
Well, it sounds like, I mean, you've been in the business a long time, but you still have a lot of energy. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, you know, I started really young and I got some success really young. So mm -hmm. I've been in a long time and I'm thankful that I'm still, you know, in my 50s. But at the early, you know, at 25, 26 years old, I really was, you know, I, I was making a name for myself young. So most of my colleagues that I came up with are a few years older. So I've got, uh, I still got some kick in me, you know, as well as them. I can't believe some of the, you know, the chefs I know that are a little older than me that are still opening restaurants. I'm like, Jesus, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's really, uh, it's an energy that, you know, chefs are just, you know, it's like art. We just got to paint. We got to keep going. You know, it's like, yeah. we got to play piano players got to play. It doesn't matter. So uh, I look at guys like, you know, Daniel Ballou, John George, and I'm like, you guys keep opening restaurants, geez. you know. <laughs> well, you have, so there, you have quite a lot of energy, too. I mean, I well, think yeah, but it's, it's, it's inspirational to see that really, is, right. you know, so we're in a great business. It's a hard business, very hard, very demanding on both your physical body and your personal life mm. and your mental health. So you got to really learn to balance it. But the rewards are great if you really love it, you know, mm -hmm. and you got to, you know, like I said, not everybody gets, you know, gets a 40 year career out of this, you know. Yeah, for sure. Tell me about Lefto the puppet. That seems really like a Lefto, lot of fun. Uh, Lefto was given to me by a girlfriend years ago as a birthday gift. And he sat in the closet because I had told her I wanted to do it. I always wanted to do a cooking show with a puppet. And I wanted the puppet to be the mean one, like the one that criticized my <laughs> Because I couldn't do it. You know, the one that would like told people the real truth about whether the restaurant was good or not or what. So there was a debate. You know, I'd be like, no, no, no. Like someone I could say, well, you know, I went to the restaurant, wasn't that good? And I'd be like, well, I like it. And, <laughs> and um, you know, good cop, bad cop. Right. And, and then during the pandemic, I was home alone and I, I the puppet was in a closet. And I'm like, shit, I got time. to. I, I went shopping. I got the food and one day I woke up and I said, we're going to do this. And I just started, man, just no rehearsal, just put the puppet on the left hand and opened the fridge and went to town and put on some Pink Floyd and the who and the roll and blast <laughs> music. And, it, and we created something that people really, it was really to help people think about cooking food and sharing food at the beginning, the dark days of the pandemic, right. you know, check neighbor, make extra food and bring it over. Here's what you do with leftovers. His name's Lefto. His key, the key for him is making left. Oh, got it. <laughs> and and now we got, he got hired. You know, he started, you know, we got hired by a few companies. They're like, can you put Lefto in the video? We want, <laughs> we want, can Lefto do the cooking class with Chef Burke? I'm like, let me put his age. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Did you ask? So Lefto, <laughs> Lefto's got some money in the bank now. Well, great. It's, it's, it's a great alter ego, it sounds you like. You know what? A lot of fun. I actually enjoy it. It's interesting when uh, when they take on a personality. Lefto take took on his own person. I mean, it was completely ad lib. I have no pr practice being a puppeteer or ventriloquist. I basically it's the same voice. It, we, you know, it was just it was so silly, funny. It was educational. It was heartfelt, but it was so silly. It was funny. Yeah. Well, people really needed that in the pandemic. Yeah, I think people did, and, and I did too. Yeah. Kind of cool. Because I, you know, instead of sitting around watching TV, I spent three, four hours cooking. It was grueling. Yeah. I couldn't believe how hard my mother worked. I, I, you know, I never realized how hard it is to shop. It's not hard, but when you put shopping, cooking, 
and washing the dishes, taking out the garbage, all that together. And I only did it once a day. Yeah. To do it three meals and for one for me and left some, but to do that for family of six every day, that's grueling. Yeah, for sure. Grueling. I could I went to my mind, I said, I can't believe it. I mean, think <laughs> the amount of garbage you go through a family of six, right? Yeah. Well, that's why a lot of people um, you know, were really anxious to get back to restaurants because of, you know, they were tired of doing all that home <laughs> It's work. It's a job, man. I don't sure. care how easy the food is to put in an oven or microwave. It's still work. Yeah. For sure. Then when you really want to take out a knife and start peeling and cutting onions and cooking oh. from scratch, that's a lot of work at home. Definitely. So you were named the Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year for New Jersey in 2021. So that's a, a huge honor. And that was a huge honor, yeah. I know it honored all your career accomplishments, but especially the work you and your team did during the pandemic. So tell me about that. Well, you know what? We, we created something called Feed the Heroes. We raised money to pay our staff so they could continue to pay, uh, make sandwiches and, 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 and lunches for the uh, um, pandemic workers and the hospital workers uh, and fundraising that way. We uh, kept some of our employees on board. We delivered, you know, blah, blah, blah. We kept doing it. And we, we tried to, normally a restaurant does, has food and workers and cash flow, but we didn't this time. So it was even harder. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, we, we just dug down deep and, and continued to go. Uh, and we're very proud of the staff. We did a good job. Everybody chipped in. We had enough cash in the bank due to some smart, uh, deals we signed and, and that and, and we weren't you know we don't we're not we don't spend a lot of money on corporate offices and flashy stuff mm -hmm. we work in restaurants i've done that in the past with other companies i saw the waste of money i don't need nine people in an office in a high-rise in new york that have nothing that know nothing about what's going on in the units so we had money so we could pay keep our corporate staff employed and you know what I said to them, we're going to throw fastballs and we're going to swing at every pitch. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And that's what we did for a while. And not everything was, uh, not everything pans out a hundred percent, but you know, you can't win the game unless you're in the game. Right. And you're also doing some with your Wagyu beef, you're doing a uh, Kentucky recovery dinner. I heard. Is yeah. That that, that's uh, the Western Kentucky relief dinner for the tornado victims. Uh, that'll be January 13th. All our restaurants are participating. It's a four course meal, 150 bucks, 50 bucks goes to the, uh, goes to the relief fund. Oh, so we're wow. hoping to raise 25 grand. So you've been really busy this past year, but what are you looking forward to in 2022? I mean, not starting with the recovery dinner, but going forward. Well, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to some uh, to launching a fast casual brand. Uh, we might be buying a bakery uh, to do some of our pastry and bakering. And I want to start working on my TV show slash cooking school. Mm. Uh, and that's, you know, that's my future project, but I want to start laying the groundwork for that. Can I you tell me anything together. about the fast casual or is that, that a secret? Fast casual, we have two months. Of, we have a, a pizza concept in play, pizza, salad, and gelato. Mm. Uh, that's about all I can say. It's going to be, I don't have much else, but we'll be announcing that soon. It'll be starting out in Charlotte and on the East Coast. David, thanks so much for sharing all those creative ideas and for inspiring us with your energy and passion. Please join us for the next episode of Menu Feed as we continue our conversations with chefs and operators.
This episode and past ones are available to download on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.